Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Fruity, a podcast for people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave AC, for the next hour, while we enjoy some nice wine. likes a good glass of red wine, your host, Mr. Dave A.C. And welcome everyone, welcome to yet another episode of the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. Yes, we're up to episode 39, this is another Tuesday, well early evening if you're in the United States, that's 5pm Eastern Daylight Time. But to uh, people like myself here in the UK, it is just gone 10 p.m. in the evening. And what a beautiful, beautiful day we have had here in the UK. Most of the country, I believe. And even Manchester has been hot, sunny and warm. I've actually been walking around in shirt sleeves. It's, um, well, it's a, a very strange thing indeed. Hopefully it will carry on for the uh, Queen's Jubilee that's coming up, the celebrations that start on the 1st of June, I think. And, of course, we also have the Olympic Torch doing a marathon around uh, the UK. Started in Land's End, was brought to the UK from Olympia with uh, Princess Anne and David Beckham. I think they've already had one incident where the torch went out and they had to use the the mother light as it's called the backup one that they always keep with it apparently when they brought the flame back from greece on the airplane they had four lanterns four flames uh, for redundancy because of course that is the eternal flame and if one of them goes out you can't just light it with a cigarette lighter you have to go to one of the backup lamps now, I didn't know where all that came from. It's perhaps because I'm in a nice, sunny mood, looking forward to all the events, uh, looking forward to Wimbledon, tennis events, golf events. And um, after last week's uh, white wine, I'm uh, thinking that I may, if we do have a nice summer, change to drinking some rosés and some crisp white wines, maybe even a sparkling wine. But for tonight, for our episode I am back to a red. But more of that in a moment. Yes, if you would like to join us live, as indeed I welcome, well, Slenderman has been with me in the room since we started. Uh, Thank you for joining us. He's not on voice at the moment, but he is in the room. Um, If you wish to join us, this is uh, TalkShoot. Find it via Google. 
The talk show ID is double one double two seven two. You can join as a guest without any download, or indeed you can sign up for your own unique name, as indeed Slenderman has, and then you can either download the pro client to have a slightly enriched experience on the call, or you can certainly join in as a guest, and there's the ability to text chat. Not only that, but to see the links that I, uh, throughout the show, put into the room. If you don't join us live, you can use a program called Chat Grammar. Just put that into Google, Chat Grammar. And if you go to that page, put in the call ID number. That's double one double two seven two. Click on the drop-down link to pick the episode that you're interested in. And you can see all the text that was entered during the course of the show. Uh, for uh, Slenderman already, I put in... Uh, the Twitter feed for this program, that is Big and Fruity, or one word. I put in the link to uh, the blog, that's bigandfruity.wordpress.com. And I put rather more complicated and longer links in for the Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, just put Big and Fruity and you will find it. And indeed, if you are on the uh, Google+, Plus, which is quickly getting... Um, uh, traction as they say in the uh, internet world i think there are 250 million users of google plus now um again if you put big and fruity you can find the big and fruity wine page there but i want to relax i want you to be relaxed while you're listening to me and what better way to do that than to actually just have an occasional sip of a wine while i am hosting the call and as per usual I put um, a picture of the wine I'm drinking, and I should just put that link in there for Slender Man. I shall be reading it out in a moment, but let me first read from the label. Last week we were doing about uh, New Zealand, and I actually had uh, a white wine. I had a Sauvignon Blanc um, from New Zealand. It was the uh, Oyster Bay. And um, I actually made a slight error. Yes, I am perhaps well-renowned in the podcasting world for at least making two errors on each of my calls. Uh, I was talking about the fact that the um, the Sauvignon Blanc had come uh, and made a name for Australia, uh, New Zealand wine, sorry, uh, when Oz Clark in the 90s had written about it possibly being the best Sauvignon Blanc at that time available in the world. Uh, but the wine that actually brought uh, the Sauvignon Blanc to the attention of the world was indeed not the Oyster Bay wine I was tasting, but Cloudy Bay. Anyway, it was very, very nice indeed. There was lots of uh, tropical and kiwi fruits in it, and it was very refreshing having been taken out of the fridge about 20 minutes before I tasted it. And um, it, uh, it lasted two or three days by keeping it in the fridge and just having the odd glass uh, and very refreshing it was indeed. And I said at the time that, of course, New Zealand is also uh, quite famous for its reds, um, certainly the Pinot Noir. But in actual fact, the wine I've got this week, I trailed last week. For the first time, I mentioned what wine it would be. So if you listen to last week's episode, you will know that the wine I am about to taste is East Coast, Leading Light, Merlot, and it's uh, 12, only 12.5%. It's classed as a medium light red, 
and it's from sorry 2010 and it's obviously as it says from the northeast area of the north island of new zealand and i have had it poured out and um it's uh, got quite a lot of fruit flavors coming over to me and uh, yes it, it's definitely sort of uh, blackberry picking in the summer sort of smell or is that should be that autumn but anyway it's got a lovely uh, dark fruit nose let's have a little taste mm. and there's quite a lot of structure in that for a merlot immediately you get the sort of a vanilla oak in the background and although at 12 and a half percent it's quite a light oak it's punching a little bit above its weight there with that complexity of oak very nice indeed and i think as it said on the label and i'll just check that uh, absolutely cries out for a nice hearty uh, barbecue meal with it let me just read from the label the wondrous east coast of new zealand's north island is the first in the world to see the sun its sun-kissed vines certainly deliver stunning wines the mouth-warming charms of merlot are captured in this smooth East Coast Red, delivering subtle aromas of dark, ripe dark fruit, black cherry and spicy oak. Rich textures and vibrant fruit balanced by a subtle toasty oak, followed by soft velvety tannins on the palate and a long rich finish. A mouth is watering just reading that. And in the most part, it does deliver that. I think for my own particular taste, I would like it if it was just a little bit um, weightier, I suppose. Um, I, I am rarely used to drinking wines 13 and a half, 14%, even some big Zinfandels above that. But nonetheless, it is um, very, very uh, tasty indeed. It's been opened for an hour, nearly an hour and a half now, in fact, and this particular glass has been poured out a good half hour. One more little sip. Mm. That is very nice. Sometimes I find Merlot's a little bit sort of um, rich. I don't know what the, the word is, but um, um, not to say that they repeat on you, but they can be a little bit sort of heartburning in their... Um, uh, slight aftertaste but this has got a lovely oak aftertaste okay i'm going to read the twitpic uh, url out for you remember this is all in small case letters and it is twitpic.com forward slash 903 mce twitpic.com forward slash 903 m CE and I'm just going to refresh my little link to that and it has already been well it's 41 now but that's a little bit of a cheat because I've just refreshed it so let's see uh, it's had a good 38 or so viewings already um, and hopefully uh, people as they listen to this recording at a later date will actually take a little look at the uh, wine I am drinking Okay, the uh, the course of today's show 
will be, as uh, I usually say, if it's just me on audio, we will run 30, 35 minutes. I, I am in anticipation that Jorvik, who uh, reminded me that he was unable to join me next week, hoping he might make it on the call during the uh, this first part. Uh, and if he does so, he may have a little report for us. But we do have um, a couple of things. I always have a wine fact to talk about. I am going to talk a little bit about um, this New Zealand region of winemaking. And then, of course, we will get on to the main topic, which is this uh, push in Scotland to try and address what they call binge drinking by setting a minimum alcohol per unit price level. Okay, let me uh, just go with the wine fact first, and that is that um, this area in New Zealand where this wine comes from, and it actually, when, oh, before I do that, let me just say the wine itself I got from Morrison's in the UK, which is one of our leading supermarket suppliers. Uh, the wine indeed is usually priced at um, about £8.50, but I think I got it for under no i didn't i think it was still seven pounds but it, it was slightly reduced and i put the link in there and if i can read this i will try it's www.morrisons.co.uk forward slash food and drink those are with dashes between forward slash drink forward slash wine, sorry yeah forward slash drink forward slash wine forward slash red dash wine but if you go to the Morrison site, I'm sure if you put in leading light, and it says leading light, Gisborne, Gisborne Merlot. Now, that had me rather confused to start, because although I do know a little bit about wines, I'm thinking, well, is this a particular subgroup of the Merlot grape? And I've just put that in for Slender Man, uh, leading light, Gisborne Merlot. But, of course, it didn't take me long to realise that uh, Gisborne is an actual uh, part of New Zealand. So I'm now going to put the link in to the um, wiki page and a couple of pages in a moment. And there it goes in so that Slenderman can have a check while I talk to you listeners of the recording later. Uh, Gisborne is a city in the northeastern New Zealand, and it's the largest settlement in the Gisborne region. Only well, has a population of just under 35,000, however, and of course we're on the uh, fairly extreme right and north part of the North Island of Australia, and of course this is uh, giving its name towards this uh, grape. So when it says Gisborne Merlot, it's talking about the region and the wine varietal uh, Merlot. And I'm just going to uh, also now put in a link and read a little bit more about it. I don't read a lot from these pages because I do want you to actually go and check out these. These people have put their content up. It's not for me to steal it. I'm only there to point you towards it. And again, I'm going to read the URL out. And it's www.gisbornewine, that's all one word, .co.nz. And I'm going to spell Gisborne because it does have an E on the end and there, there is no U in it. So it's G-I-S, 
B-O-R-N-E and then wine. GisborneWine.co.nz. Of course, NZ for New Zealand. And let's see a little bit what it says here. A warm welcome to our wine region. A special place tucked away on the east coast of New Zealand. We promise you truly unforgettable experience, whether you're visiting for a few days or forever. The fertile plains and sunny climate create the ideal environment for growing and making world-class wine, while legendary beaches and stunning scenery promise a uniquely relaxing holiday. So there's uh, an awful lot there about the actual region. And I'm going to click on the uh, link. Uh, and then, so this is Zealand wine region and i'm just going to read a little bit about this uh, and then let you go and check it out yourselves gisborne is one of new zealand's most important grape growing regions the third largest in the country new zealand lies between the 35th and 45th parallels between morocco and bordeaux gisborne is this, is on the same parallel as Malaga, Spain and Melbourne, Australia. Of course, in the Southern Hemisphere we are. It produces a broad varietal mix and diversity of wine styles, reflecting the different soil types and the mesoclimates of the region. Revered as a top Chardonnay producing area, it's also celebrated for its Gewürztraminer. And, of course, it goes on to mention some of the other grapes, which, of course, the excellent Merlots, Malbec, Pinotage, uh, and even the occasional Syrah being produced. So it's the uh, Gisborne wine-growing area that this leading light Merlot that I'm drinking comes from. Okay, I think since we did talk about New Zealand in some depth, uh, last week. I'm going to actually uh, leave that at the moment. And we're going to, uh, that actually equates to the wine fact for today's show. And we're going to move on to the actual main topic of episode 39. And that is the movement in Scotland to move to a 30, sorry, a 50p per alcoholic unit. And for those people in America, I did do a quick check. Uh, 50 pence equates to just over 78, almost 79 cents. So let's call it 80 cents per unit. So, for instance, given the fact, well, in actual fact, this wine is only 12.5% and there it is, in actual fact, 9.4 units. So uh, for the mathematicians among you, you would have to uh, times uh, 79 cents by 9.4 but let's simplify it a lot of the wines i drink are 10 alcoholic units which would mean that the the dollar price of the minimum wine price that they would want to have in scotland would be seven dollars 99 cents so basically you wouldn't be able to buy a wine under eight dollars so that's two buck chuck out the window from america Anyway, just to give me a break from talking so I can have a little sip, I'm just going to play a one and a half minute um, little 
part that may explain this, and this is uh, Scotland's Health Secretary, Nicola Sturgeon, talking to the press on why they were making this particular move. So, just one and a half minutes. We decided to set the unit price at 50 pence. Now, when we take account of inflation, that's broadly equivalent to the 45 pence we decided on 18 months ago when we first attempted to introduce this policy. So it's not really a, a higher price. It's simply one that reflects inflation over the past 18 months. This is a big policy, uh, but it's designed to address a big problem. Scotland uh, suffers hugely from alcohol misuse. It takes its toll on individuals, families, communities, our health service, our police services. And this policy is designed to reduce alcohol-related deaths, hospital admissions, alcohol-related crime. It's a policy, in my view, that time has come. How do you reply to the criticism, though, that actually what you're doing with this policy is you're targeting the poorest drinkers? If you buy a decent bottle of wine several times a week and you come home and you have two or three glasses of wine a night, arguably that's as bad for you as somebody that binge drinks at the weekend, but this policy is not going to catch those people. Well, the Sheffield report, the, the models uh, completed by the Sheffield University study, uh, shows that the impact on moderate drinkers is marginal. The impact on people who are drinking to dangerous levels is much, much higher in financial terms. But in addition to that, all of the evidence says that people in low-income groups are most likely not to drink at all or most likely to drink moderately. So I don't accept that this is a policy that targets people in low-income groups. This policy targets people who drink too much. Okay, and I'm sorry, it doesn't say on the actual website who the person doing the interviewing is, but I will put the actual link in. This was from, and I will put a couple of more links in later. This is from BBC News Scotland, uh, but the link is www.bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash, and there's a, a dash between these, UK dash Scotland dash and then we have a long number and the number is one eight zero five two eight four nine so that's www.bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash UK dash Scotland dash one eight zero five two eight four nine and this was from the uh, May 14th the law, as far as I understand it, has not yet passed. Uh, it's presumably a little bit like the English uh, uh, political system where it has to have more than one reading and debated and so on. So again, what I'm going to do is read a little bit uh, from this and, and then I'm going to make a few points. If Slender Man in text wants to put whether he's heard about this, whether he has any opinions on it, I will most certainly read out anything that they put in chat and they have a few moments to do that while I read a little bit from this page. And just to show you how much uh, interest this um, news item, often I go to the BBC sites, and you'll see that there is a comment section below, and there might be 10, 20, even 40 or 50 comments. There are almost 1,100 comments added to this. So it's obviously stirring up quite strong opinions, presumably for and against. And I'll tell you what my uh, take on this is after I've read it, uh, or at least read the opening part. The Scottish Government has confirmed that it wants to set a minimum price for alcohol of 50p per unit. 
They hope the measure will reduce health problems caused by excessive drinking. It is hoped the move, which would make the cheapest bottle of wine to be £4.69, remember that's coming up to the $8 a bottle mark, while a four-pack of lager would cost at least £3.50, so we're talking there about uh, $6, I suppose, and will lead to a reduction in hospital admissions and deaths through alcohol abuse. And I'm skipping down the page. Dr John Holmes, who was part of the project team, told BBC Radio Scotland that the move would have a significant impact on drinking habits. We found that a 50p minimum price would lead to an overall reduction in consumption of 5.5%, so harmful drinkers' consumption would fall by more than 10%, whereas moderate drinkers would see their consumption fall by just 2.5%. In terms of how much extra spending that would mean, harmful drinkers would have to spend over £120 extra, so that's getting on for $200 a year on their alcohol, where moderate drinkers would spend just £8, just $15 a year more. And so the idea is that they are trying to say that this does indeed target those for the people that are what, in some people's term, would be classed as recklessly drinking. And I'm going to put another link in here. Uh, well, I'll put more than one link, but I'm going to put one more now uh, and just talk a little bit about that before I make my own comments. And this is um, bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash, again with dashes between each word, UK, Scotland, Scotland, politics, uh, dash 18060354. And the strap line is, how much will your alcohol cost? And bear in mind, of course, these will be UK prices, therefore in pounds, and I, I can't really um, check these across, but I'm going to take some typical types of drink. Uh, apparently in the UK, people who are on a very tight budget will probably not go for wine as their drink of choice. It will probably be supermarket cheap uh, cider or supermarket cheap lager. Um, and in that case, that's why they've used those. So Tesco Strong Dry Cider. Um, in March 2012, that is only £1.80. In other words, 20p a unit. That will more than go up by a pound. So it's going to go up by $1.50 to a price of £4.68. So that's... a in fact, it's a much larger increase, sorry. It's an increase of nearly £3. It's an increase of $5. So that is a massive increase on that. And one more, let me just pick... Um, let's see, they all seem to be cider here. It must be that cider is a bit of a lost leader. Let me have a look further down. Okay, let's go for a white wine, a Chanel Blanc. Uh, Tesco Simply Chanel Blanc, that currently uh, one bottle is 9.4 units, similar strength to what I'm drinking now. Uh, it's sold at £3.50, £3.49. 
that will go up a whole pound. So that one bottle will go up one dollar fifty or in fact one dollar eighty, one pound twenty. So it basically means that if you are drinking from the very moderate ranges, you will see quite a sharp in increase of between 20 and 40 percent on your alcohol costs. Now, just to give you a typical uh, idea of the, the wines I drink, most of the wines I drink are between uh, five and seven pounds, uh, well above this 50p limit. So, for me, those prices will not reduce. However, often I do drink wines of that price, but I buy them when they're reduced to four or five pounds. So it may well mean that the offers that I do take advantage of may not come often. One of the uh, stock wines that I drink is at Banrock Station, uh, and that is... Um, uh, a blended wine, and often that is uh, a £6 wine, often sold at £4. It will be no longer be able to be discounted at £4. At the very least, that will be £4.65 or £4.70. Uh, so on those stock wines, my midweek wines, I will indeed find that there is a price increase. So what are my thoughts? Well, I don't particularly like the idea in a way because certainly uh, I'm a pensioner if you're not aware of that um, and on therefore on a not a very strict uh, income level but certainly a finite one and um, anything that adds to that cost uh, is not really something that I think uh, I mean I've never been to A&E because I've drunk too much I've never woken up in the morning not remembering what I've drank and what happened the night before. I moderately uh, make most bottles of wine I drink last two nights. Indeed, the, the white wine I talked about from last week, I drank over three evenings in, in a sense. So um, I don't feel as though I do need a government uh, tax to to help me. And the other thing is, where does that money go? Does that money go towards uh, educational uh, courses? Does it go towards putting out adverts to discourage or dissuade people from drinking irresponsibly? Or does that money just go into the coffers of the government or indeed to the profits of the wine industry? So, uh, I'm not entirely convinced. One of the advantages I think of the the English system is that knowing from previous things what they will do if this passes into law in Scotland in the UK this will be monitored for 12 to 18 months I certainly know that Wales and Northern Ireland are mod, uh, uh, monitoring it and um, it may well be something that will come into effect in a couple of years time I don't see it actually coming into force here in the rim and I'm just checking now to see if Slenderman has put anything in text no, but uh, there is still time for them to do so. And I'm just going to uh, put very briefly, and mention them briefly, a couple of other uh, blogs that have been written about this, our news items. The first one is indeed a blog for the independent newspaper. Again, I'm going to read actually the strap line. And if you've put the strap line in Google, you'll probably find the link much easier 
In fact, I'll put that strap line in for Slender Map. And the strap line is Scotland's 50p. Where did that go? Ah, there we are. It had uh, it didn't go up because it had um, an unusual. Let me just get rid of that. Yeah, it's got an unusual um, thing in there. Just let me get rid of that. See if that goes in now. There it goes. Scotland's 50p alcohol tax battling health with money. And this is by Josh Barry, who's written the blog. And let me take the part where he's taken the opposite counterpoint. As I argued previously when I wrote about Theresa May's ludicrous booze musings, these prices will not deter the youth of today from enjoying a hard session of drinking prior to a night's revelry. And I must just talk about this for those that don't know. One of the concerns here in the UK is the fact that um, uh, people do go out on their nights out. But in actual fact, public houses, places where people drink, are closing at the rate of virtually one a day. Seven or eight a week are closing. And the reason is, and the landlords say, they can't cope against the cheap booze that people buy in the supermarkets. And what we have is a system where younger people, we're talking about people under 30, what they do is what's called front-loading, a term I hadn't heard until quite recently. And that is, and it's not just girls, but let's say, for instance, girls are going for a night out. Very sensibly, they don't drink. So what they will do is go around to one of their friends' uh, houses as a gathering point, they will perhaps have ordered a taxi for 10 o'clock at night to take them to the local boozer club. But what they will do, they will all gather in the girls' bedroom, I believe, maybe with a bottle of vodka, and maybe some fruit juice, or maybe some of these uh, wine spritzers, or whatever they are, um, and they will each tank themselves up so that when the taxi arrives, they're already um, in good party spirits, and then when they go to the uh, place, it may well be that girls can get uh, their first drink free or cheap. And hopefully, maybe they get the odd drink bought for them as the evening progresses. So the point is that they are probably well over their daily alcohol limit before they even start their night out. And so, of course, the landlords are uh, having packed uh, rooms but not necessarily taking in vast amounts of money. Okay, let me just read onwards. Uh, this time there has been a great emphasis on those suffering from liver complaints and prisoners who claim they have been drunk when they have committed their offences. These plans seem to be aimed at alcoholics, and according to the information, Scotland has even more alcohol-related deaths than we do. Fine, that's all pretty sweeping. But if someone's addicted to alcohol, for whatever reason, they're going to drink, whether it's a bottle of cheap wine or four packs of strong lager, and an extra five pounds might cause a fuss at the checkout, but they're not going to go without a few litres of happiness for the sake of a smaller note. So that's their concern. And I'm going to put in another link now. And here we go. And I'm going to have to sip of wine while that <clears throat> link goes in the room. 
and this is from the Guardian and again the strap line if you put the Guardian in Google and then the strap line minimum alcohol price in Scotland to be set at 50p per unit and most of these links by the way are from the 14th of May just over a week ago when this story broke big time and I'm going to try and uh, move to a different aspect of this. Um, uh, David Cameron, the Prime Minister, confirmed that the UK government will also look at minimum price pricing across England and Wales in a consultation due out later this year. After resisting it for four years, Scottish Labour is also preparing to support the policy if Alex Salmond's government presses on with plans for a 130 million health levy on supermarkets to claw back the 125 million increase in their revenues from a 50% minimum price. So in other words, they're going to make the um, supermarkets charge that extra, but they're not going to let the supermarkets profiteer from it. In fact, the governments are going to plunder that uh, money. So there again, it comes back to this uh, taking money from the poorest. I don't uh, know whether that's necessarily the best way to go. Let me read a little bit more. Uh, and this is to do with the pub trade. While the Scottish pub trade and some brewers who specialise in premium brands support minimum pricing, the measure is supposed by large retailers, sorry, is opposed by the large retailers and the spirits industry. The Scottish Whiskey Association again warned that minimum pricing was likely to be illegal, breaching European and global rules on free trade and competition. It said it would push the, push the cost of one litre bottle of scotch up by 22% to £20. That's over $30 and a standard bottle up by 11% to £14, $20. The Scottish industry remains opposed to minimum pricing. It will be ineffective in tackling alcohol abuse. It has consistently been ruled to be illegal in Europe. It will damage the industry. And I've got one more link that I'm going to go from, and then I think I'm going to end... Me talking on my own for 40 minutes is quite enough. Thank you very much indeed. And this is from, um, let me just get the link back. And <laughs> that sometimes I do this, I click on the link and uh, it copies up and pastes it. Here we go. And this is from the FT index. And it's on the, uh, Oh, dear me, just one moment, folks. We'll get to the link in a moment. Here we go. Annoying. Every time I click rid of an advert, uh, it, it covers up the uh, page. I'm not going to read from that page because I'm getting an advert coming over it. So I'm going to leave that one in the room and not read from it because um, it's getting difficult. Every time I click on the close advert, it goes back to the main page of the FT index, which is not what I want. So what I'm going to do at the 40-minute mark is call it a day. If you have strong feelings on this, please uh, send in an audio feedback 
Uh, you can send it to um, the... Well, actually, the easiest way probably is to go to the Big and Fruity blog page. That's bigandfruity.wordpress.com. And when you see the link for this show, you, there's a comment section underneath, leave a comment. And you can leave a comment there, and I will try and read it back on next week's show. Next week's show, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of a teaser for one part of it, and the reason why I've chosen the topic. The topic next week for episode 40 of the Big and Wine podcast will be mass-produced wines. And here's the item that got me onto that. It was in my Sunday paper, the Sunday Times. This is the Sunday Times for the 20th of May, and it's called Fine Wines Slosh into Britain on the Chateau, Chateau Mover Choo Choo. Gosh, that was a bit of a mouthful. And I'm going to read the first couple of paragraphs to whet your appetite for next week's show. And here we go. Written by uh, uh, Georgina Graham. Listen to this. Britons are quaffing wine in such vast quantities that leading suppliers are chartering wine trains to move it around the country. Vineyards in countries such as Australia and South Africa are abandoning the traditional system of bottling wine themselves are instead sending it to Britain in plastic bags. Now, here's the quicker slender, kick apart slender man and listeners. I'm thinking, all right, well, that's done before. You know, you often see a bottle bottled in the UK. Plastic bags, so I'm thinking, right, it's going to come in 5-litre drums, 10-litre drums, I don't know, 50-litre drums, and then it's going to be bottled here in the country. This was the shocker for me. Plastic bags holding the equivalent, wait for it, of 32, no, not 32 bottles, 32,000 bottles. Plastic bags. What is happening is that containers, large containers on contagious ships, are filled with a, basically, a plastic membrane inside these 20-foot steel containers, and that contains 32,000 bottles worth of wine. The containers are loaded onto lorries and taken by road to bottling plants in Britain. But with UK demand for wine now exceeding, again, another surprising fact, 1.8 billion 1.8 billion bottles a year, many shippers are now chartering trains. That is absolutely unbelievable. And I remember it was only 15 years ago that in France they were talking about wine lakes, lakes of wine that they couldn't sell abroad. And in actual fact, some of it was being poured away um, uh, in what seemed uh, an affront to wine growers. So next week, episode 40, the Big and Fruity Wine podcast, we will be talking about mass-produced wine and things where when you read on the label uh, in the UK that your wine has actually been bottled in the UK. So um, 
is the topic for next week. And with that, at 43 minutes, I really should bring this episode to an end. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, thank you, Slender Man, for staying in the room throughout that. And I'm going to find my jazz Podsafe music outro. Bye all. Thanks for listening. Thank you.